coming at you from the Hey Yo Studios. It's the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Coming at you live from the AO studio. Hey, it's the Fade Route with D and Z. I am D. We've got a great show for you tonight. The Phoenix Suns are in eighth. David Tepper gets upset, and Florida State decides not to play Georgia. But we begin today's show with Michigan. Michigan punching their ticket to the national championship game by beating Alabama 27-20 in overtime. Alabama deferred in overtime, which resulted in Michigan scoring first on fourth and goal. And after a ton of timeouts, Alabama opted to go for a quarterback draw. Fourth and goal, which was stymied by the Michigan defense that had five sacks early on in the contest. Z, did you agree with Alabama's decision to defer in overtime and to run a quarterback draw on the final play of the game? Are you crazy? But I, I'm just, I'm just asking for a friend. Are you crazy? What? 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 Are, what? You know, I don't understand. What? Why? Why would you ever? Why would you ever defer? Obviously, Saban's thinking. I don't know I what. Don't know what the hell he's thinking? <laughs> why would you ever defer? Ever? I don't understand that, right? You you are in overtime. Like you are overtime. Yeah. Like this is this is it. Like this this is your season. You put your offense on the field, and then if need be, you set the tone. Right? You set the tone get points on the board and then the chips fall where they met that's what you have to do you are in the catbird seat if you are Alabama you won the coin toss right it's in your hands it's in your hands and to do that to to essentially give away to give away control of your season is irresponsible and then on top of that okay you get the ball back as is the overtime rule you know say what you will about the overtime rule that Michael K was killing it Mike Greenberg was killing it that's the rule it is what it is they get the ball back so I guess it emboldens them a little bit because they know they're going to get the ball back but at the same time You score, Michigan is now on its heels, right? And you put the pressure on them. Instead, if the rules are reversed, that's just that's just boneheaded. And then let's talk about that QB draw out of the shotgun. So he was already three yards deep. And the snap drove him another two yards deep. So he had to get 10 yards to get into the end zone. 
not even Michael Vick himself is probably getting that. So, I think it is absolutely two quizzical, boneheaded decisions by Saban and O'Brien, who should know better. They're experienced. They, they have a lot of experience between them. Saban has a, plenty of pelts on the wall. Right? Bill O'Brien is coached in the NFL. But he has... He's, he is... Well, Bill's not there, right? Teams. Bill's not there. Oh, that's there. right. He's not there anymore. That's right. He's not that's there right. anymore. He kind, of dis- he kind of discarded that quarterback, too. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> well, as it turns out, 16-23 for 116 yards. E. E. E in a in a playoff situation in a scenario playoffs where playoffs you win you play for the national title yeah Milrow right Jalen Milrow remember the name 16 of 23 for 116 yards he can only go up from here mm. he can only go up now because that's bad that's bad that's bad it's bad compared compared to JJ McCarthy right 17 of 27 221 and three TDs now. He is not. He's not the first round stud, right? He's not gonna be that guy. Harbaugh says he's the best quarterback in Michigan history. Wow. Yeah. Considering the fact which that prompted the Tom Brady to say, "Go blue." <laughs> Tom Brady, who? How many snaps did Tom Brady get before he got benched by for Drew Henson? No, no, no. Played well. He overtook. He became the starter towards the end of the season. I believe he won the Cotton Bowl his last year. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. But how many? The greatest quarterback in Michigan history is not this kid. I'm sticking with. Uh, what is it? Um, <laughs> Chad Henney. Chad. Yeah. Henney was a good one. <laughs> Chad Henney. Yeah. Um. I mean, I got a lot to say on this. I mean. The, before I even get into the game, see, this is the problem with college football, right? Mm-hmm. Because Michigan is a far superior team than Alabama is, in my opinion. But you give Nick Saban a few weeks, he's got some of the best best athletes in the country, he figures it out. It was a competitive game. It was much more competitive than it should have been. They honestly. got to overtime. Got to overtime. And Michigan botched the beginning of the game. Jesus, could it go any worse? Muffin the punt and picks. Nah. But listen, I'm going to disagree with you. I actually like the idea of deferring because at that point, I think Saban felt his strength was with his defense. It was not with his offense. When you think about it, right? I mean, they slowed the Michigan offense down. They held them to 20 points. McCarthy was struggling in the beginning. And then he got better as the game went on. Saban's a defensive guy. I think he felt like he had more control of his defense. And the idea was, okay, let's give him the ball first. I think we can stop them on the first drive. And then all we really need to do is kick a field goal. Like, you know, all we need to do is score, right? Uh, So that's where I am with him deferring. Um, You know, the, the offense... The offense did get to the goal line, so they were moving the ball um, down and distance. You know, this is the problem I have with the final play is like, you know, the down and distance called for your best play. What is your best play in this? And don't tell me that over the last couple of weeks, 
You didn't practice this scenario. You didn't practice going to overtime. You didn't say, okay, if we need a play, this is what we're going to. Like, you know, we're not, you know, if we're in the Auburn situation, like, what are we going to do here? I have a hard time believing that that was their best play. And what made you think that you were going to muscle through Michigan on the last play of the game when you were able, you weren't able to do it all game? What made you think the C was going to part for this kid and he was just going to what? Did you think he was going to go in untouched? Did you think he was going to break three tackles? Like, how did you think this was going to look? Like, how is this going to go? So I don't think it was their best play call. Um, no. I, yeah, I mean, that's the only, that's the only bad part about it. No, no, that is an absolutely atrocious play call. And my apologies to Tommy Reese. He did take over in February of 2023. So, my apologies. Yeah, so now you're going to get on my shit list instead of Bill O'Brien. You owe him some brownies. Oh, I owe him some brownies. Well, the way it's going, those brownies should be laced with laxative because he shit the bread. Alabama offense shit the thick. Well, I just think they were overmatched, man. I mean, Michigan was the number one team in the country for a reason. Um, and they they held their ground for, for four quarters. But, you know, you always say, you know, cream rises to the top, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't think Alabama belonged there. With all the preparation they got and the, and the Hall of Fame coach that they have, they were able to get to overtime. You know, so kudos to them because they didn't belong there, Z. They didn't belong there. They were they were an Alabama, they were an Auburn defensive play away from, you know, not even being in the college playoff. Florida State was a much more deserving team. You know, te- te- Texas, Georgia, these were teams, you know, they beat Georgia at a neutral site by a touchdown or a field goal. Meanwhile, Georgia was the number one team all year. So I I just really didn't think Alabama belonged there. And I think it showed. I think it showed in that game. And moving on to the second bowl game that mattered, Texas lost to Washington 37-31. Surprisey, the number one seed and the number two seed prevailed. Shocker. Michael Penix Jr. has had an amazing season, was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. All kinds of passing records set. Is Michael Penix Jr. a first-round pick? Four thousand six hundred forty-eight yards, thirty-five touchdowns, nine picks, a QBR of eighty-five point seven, six three two thirteen. Checks all the boxes of the prototypical. NFL quarterback. The, the athleticism is there. The arm is there. And yet, and yet, Daniels won the Heisman. Right? You have Caleb Williams in the, t- in the discussion for number one pick. You have Drake May in the discussion in the top five. Bo Nix is there and Michael Penix Jr. just everybody's projecting him as a second round pick right they're saying oh you know if the Giants can somehow take Marvin Harrison Jr. early in the draft and then they can wait and get Michael Penix 
in the second. Michael Penix may not be there in the second round. Mm. He could be a late first round pick. Why not? He absolutely could be. It's not a stretch for a guy to have a pro- as prolific a career, a pro- as prolific a season as he's had to play himself into the first round. Considering the fact that all these guys that were considered can't miss first rounders, right? In recent history, I'll throw some names out at you. Will Levis. That guy. Malik Willis. That guy. Desmond Ritter. Solid. Need I say more? Sam Howell. All these guys are like, oh, can't miss first rounders. And some of them drop to the second, drop to the fourth, drop to the next day of the draft. <laughs> so why can't Michael Penix Jr. be that guy? And, you know, you're showing leadership and, and intangibles. He threw in a bowl game to advance to the national championship game against a game Texas Longhorn team. He threw for 430 yards and two touchdowns, plus he ran for another 31 yards. So why can't he? Why can't he? Now, would I like the Giants to, to explore that in the second round? Sure, why not? If he's there, why not? I got this feeling in the back of my mind, like deep within like the inner recesses of my mind, the Seattle Seahawks will not let him leave the first round. That's just my gut. But based on past performances and what intangibles he provides, Michael Penix Jr. is definitely deserving of being in a, a first round pick for sure. Well... I mean, here's the deal, man. Tim Tebow was a first-round pick, for Christ's sake. <laughs> that was pretty bad. <laughs> that was that was pretty bad. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you bring up you bring up the Seattle thing, you know, because you know he's a Washington guy. The his, this is the problem I have. I, I listen. I automatically look at him, and the first player that comes to mind is Tua. Okay. Maybe it's because he's lefty. He throws a pretty spiral. Tua is the first person that comes to mind. Okay. okay. Now, Tua was drafted in the first round. But let me ask you, do you think Tua is a first rounder? After watching him this season, is he really, in the last two seasons, is he a first rounder? If you throw Tua on the Raiders, are the Raiders a playoff team? <sighs> if you throw Tua on... Hey, wait, wait. First of all, if he's on the Raiders, is he still alive? <laughs> I don't even think he's still alive. If you put two on the Bears, are the Bears any better? Does, does Tua still one of the passing leaders if he's on the Bears? It's tough to throw in Chicago, man. I don't know no, if he's got the arm for that, man. I would say not with those receivers. Yeah, so, I mean, here's the deal. It's like Waddle, Waddle and Hill certainly help. Yes, exactly. Exactly. He too is in a, in a situation where he's got an offensive guru. Mm-hmm. He's got skilled players at the skilled positions. Hill, Waddle, Arcane. All those guys are phenomenal players. Moster, you know? Now, the other problem I have with Penix Jr., dude, is he tore his ACL twice, man. He tore it twice. And he had a significant shoulder injury his second year in Indiana. Now, I'm not saying he can't be drafted. I mean, you're, you've got him going to 15 with the Seahawks. Maybe the, maybe the Seahawks trade back and get him later. 
it's, I think it's an overreach, right? Because I would think that a guy like Bo Nix is going to go in the middle rounds, right? Um, and maybe, here's an idea, maybe the Vikings take him in the top 12, maybe? But to me, when I'm looking at him, if I've got my Trent Bulky glasses on, if I've got my my John Lynch hat on, actually, no, I'm not putting that hat on. <laughs> uh, if I put on my GM cap, to me, he's a third or fourth rounder, man. He's a roll the dice kind of guy. I think he could be somebody, but I can't invest. I can't invest more than that. And you know, I think the Raiders should consider it. I think the Vikings should consider it. Washington should definitely consider it. Seahawks at fifteen, but the injuries is what holds me back from really selling selling out for this guy. So let's think about. Bo Nicks, right? 45.08 in terms of yards, 45 touchdowns, three picks, bit of a journeyman. Kind of, he's been through. Oregon quarterbacks, man, I don't know. Like, there's some history that he's got to fight. Drake May, there's history that he has to fight. And he's a sophomore. Drake May's a sophomore. You roll the dice on a sophomore, you roll the dice on an underclassman. It definitely like. Listen, I can totally see the Jets lose. I could see the the Patriots losing this weekend and taking Drake May at three, or even the kid Jaden Daniels at three. Because if they lose this weekend, that's that's probably what they're going to be. They're going to have a top five pick. I got a feeling that they're going to go Marvin Harrison, and then they're going to they're going to. Here's what I think. I think if there are two. They're going to take Marvin Harrison. They're going to sign a free agent quarterback because they got burned by Mac Jones. I think they're going to be a little gun shy because think about where they got their successful quarterback and think about where they got burned, right? They did something very unpatriot like by drafting Mac Jones. And we lost oh, him for oh, I don't we, know. We, we Do you really feel that way? Do you really feel that way? Yes. Yeah. I don't yes. know. It seems like something they would do. They, they If I recall. They traded back and got him, right? Or did they just they just got him with that pick? Forget. So the Patriots are known for zigging when they should zag. Or zagging when they should zig. <laughs> when you expect them to do something, they do the opposite. Yeah. And they were known for trading back. That is where Bill Belichick built his dynasty. Mm-hmm. Drafting a six-round quarterback, investing in Dante Hightower and Gerard Mayo. And drafting guys. Oh, he was like, picked, he was number fifteen. He got picked all right. Fifteen's so fifteen, yeah. So is mm-hmm. Mac Jones. He's right in the same same wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at a guy like Gronkowski. You know, they're you're taking tight ends in the first round, right? That's what you're doing. If you're the Patriots, you're not. Well, Gronkowski was a fourth rounder, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure he was in the first round. Arizona, from Arizona. Right, you might be highly unlikely. Because yeah, he had a so, back problem. And that and was he still what, has a back problem. That was what scared people about Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. They might have took Aaron Hernandez earlier. Let me see. So, Oh, wow. Amherst, New York. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, he's from upstate. He's, 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 uh, he's he, was, he was round two, number okay, 42. Okay, so second round. 
He's so a second rounder, round. yeah. All right, so I, I would say Gronk is a first round talent. You're yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Yeah. So again, taking zigging where you should zag. Oh, this guy's got a back problem, right? I don't know how he's getting. Well, roll the dice with him. Roll the dice. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, but you're not doing that with a franchise quarterback. Like you're not doing like. Aaron Hernandez was, was taken in the fourth round of that same yeah. draft, 113 mm-hmm. overall. Okay. So yeah. Your Drew Bledsoe was a different regime, right? That that wasn't the, the Belichick era. So I think that, especially if they move on from Belichick, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that they're going to go that route again because they don't want to invest that level of money again and risk flopping like they did. Because uh, we'll call it. Let's call it. Matt Jones is a flop. Let, let's let's call it what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Jones is not good. <laughs> like he's a huge disappointment. We had him like pegged, right? Mm-hmm. He was the most he was the most ready of Hertz, Tua, and Jones, right? He's the least successful of the three, <laughs> by far, by far. So, who's to say, right? You really don't know, but. Why not? Like, see where Penix goes. He don't, you don't necessarily need to take him at two, right? You can fleece a, a team like the Carolina Panthers, right? Maybe they want to. Maybe they want to roll the dice again. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the Bears want to get out of number one. Maybe the Broncos are in this again because they're moving on from Russell Wilson, and maybe Jared Stidham's not the guy. Yeah, see, I think I think the Cardinals are gonna try to get Marvin Harrison Jr. to pair with their Kyler Murray situation, especially if the Giants take Williams number one. So you have the Giants trading with the Bears because the Bears are at number one right now. They are at number one right now. Yeah, so they could take Harrison one and screw this all up. It's a very interesting scenario because the Bears can either keep Fields and draft Harrison. Right. Yeah. Or trade fields. And yeah, because the Giants are going to be at, the Giants are going to be at five, right? Depending on where they end up. This yeah, year, I would say they trade up. Them. I would say they trade up to go get the quarterback. Yep. Now here's an idea. Here's a crazy idea. Would you trade the number five pick for Justin Fields? If I was who? If you were the Giants. Yeah, I would. I like Justin Fields. He's got some flashes. I I, I think he's got some flashes. Especially if, well. Har- if, Har- if Harrison's gone, all bets are off, man. Like I mean, I know the Giants want to invest in an offensive line. Evan Neal still uh, lingers in the back of my mind. Right? Can't miss, right? Another one, can't miss from Alabama. Oh, we missed. So it's something about it. Like, if we're getting burned in recent history with these so-called can't-miss prospects. And guys like Michael Penix are going to be like, mm, I don't know, maybe, we'll see, he's a project. You know what? He he is worth a shot, right? They took a shot on Matt Leiner in the, in the pros. They took a shot on Vince Young in the pros. You took a shot on, you know, Malik Willis. Some pay off, some don't pay off. So why not? Why not? 
And speaking of why not, here's why not. Oh, you're not going to put us in the playoffs? Well, fuck you. <laughs> That's essentially what the Florida State Seminoles said to the NCAA in response to being left out of the playoffs and being put into the Orange Bowl against the Georgia Bulldogs. Well, the Bulldogs choked out Florida State 63-3 to in said Orange Bowl. I'm going to repeat that for emphasis. 63-3. to Florida State, still bitter and butthurt over not being included in the playoff, had 29 scholarships players not play in the game due to injury, transfer portal, and opt-outs. So, which side are you on? Are you with the players for not playing a meaningless bowl game, or do you think they should have played for the integrity of the game and the sport? What say you? You know, I had mixed feelings about this. Um, When I first saw it, I was like, I was on the player side. I was like, good for you. It's a pointless bowl game. What are we playing in this floor? Everybody said nobody wanted to see us play for the national championship. They didn't want us to be in the final four. I mean, the you know, the, the four playoff, you know, screw it. What am I going to go get my head kicked in by Alabama for? I got dreams of going to the pros. I'm headed out of here. I'm not, I'm leaving Florida State. I had all these visions and I was a player and I'm like, yeah, I'm not playing. Screw this. Blah, 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 blah. NCAA doesn't care, right? But then I started thinking about it a little bit more. And I was like, wait a minute. They had a chance to beat Georgia, who was the number one team all year. They had a chance to finish the season undefeated. Not a lot of people could say they played on an undefeated team. I never played on an undefeated team. If they beat Georgia... Right, and then they finished the season undefeated. They would have had a chance to climb back into the top rank, file four rankings. You know, after all the championship games were played, and and then the, the committee would have looked back on it and said, "Man, maybe we made the wrong decision." And it could have looked at it as like, "Forever, we'll always remember that Michigan or Washington finished the season undefeated." But oh. Florida State also finished undefeated and they were kept out of the playoff that year. So I think they missed a golden opportunity to really stick it to the committee and show the world or show the the country that they belonged in the college playoff. At the end of the day, we still remember the UCF Knights. Yeah. From 2017. Wasn't there another team that shared the title? Back in like the 2000s. Yeah, there was a share of the national championship. There was a share of the national championship between, I think, Miami. I want to say like Miami and Oklahoma or something something like that. Yeah. Where they both were undefeated. And then there was one in the 70s where President Nixon broke the tie. So, you know, this is a black eye for the sport, right? If you want any level of integrity, if you want players to play... You have to, you know, you have to play. That's the thing. You you have to honor the commitment. You put it, you came all this way, right? And for you to sit out and take your ball and go home because you didn't get what you wanted, it's a slap in the face to you. 
It's a slap in the face to your coach. It's a slap in the face to your teammates. It's a slap into the. It's a slap in the face to everybody who supported you, because it's petty. Well, the other flip side of the Z is, you know, maybe the other part was is if if let's say they all played, right? Huh? Let's let's say they all played, and they got their heads kicked in by Georgia. Maybe not okay, 63. Then they, then they, they lost maybe, to a better team. But maybe it's 42 to 7, 42 to 10, right? But now they lose all – I mean, they lost credibility anyway. But now you really lose credibility, and they're like, oh, you see, we were right. You guys didn't go long in the playoff. Now there's the thought of, well, I would have liked to see what it – because I'm saying it. I would have liked to see them – in the final, in the in the in the college playoff, I'd like to see them there. Now, if they got kicked in by Georgia with all their talent, then I'd be like, all right, I guess the committee did get it right. You understand what I'm trying to say? I understand completely what you're trying to say, but we'll never know. And we'll never Florida, know. Florida State robbed us of that opportunity. Right after the NCAA robbed us of that. I'm not. I'm not mad at them, but I think as a player, I think I hate to say this, but I think the coach really botched this. Because I think he had a chance to to kind of get his players to rise up and rise above. This would have been a good character teaching moment for for him and for his players. Now I don't know what I don't know what message he was sending to them. It seemed like he was on board with people not playing and on board with what happened. But this would have been a good moment to kind of say, hey, we're gonna rise up here and we're gonna show them that we belong in that playoff because we're going to play the best, you know, Orange Bowl against Georgia. And we're going to show that because Georgia's the number one team in the country, regardless yep. of what anybody said. They were the number one team in the country all year. And we're going to take it to them because they lost by to Alabama by three or four or whatever. It's one score game. We're going to go take it to Georgia. That would have been more of the message that I would have liked to see him put out there. And I don't really think he put that energy out there. No, absolutely not. It was that butt hurt. Yeah, it was like, screw this. Do, guys, yeah. do what you want to do. I got your back. You want to play, you don't want to play. I'm cool with it. And sobbing about not being in instead of being like, whatever. Like UCF did, right? That's what UCF did, right? They but, weren't, they didn't, they didn't take their helmet and go home. They're like, we're undefeated. We're going to finish undefeated. And we're going to take it to whoever we're playing in the bowl game. And they did. And what did they do? They hung up their own national championship right. banner. Right, right, right. So that, like, to me, that mindset that Scott Frost had is so much better. Right. Like, it's so much more competitive. It's in the, the spirit of competition. It's in the spirit Unlike, of football, right? That's football. I mean, that's yes. football, right? That's really what yes. it is. That's what it's about. But, I mean, I get their frustration. I get why you're upset, but. You you doing that is not hurting anybody but yourselves. You gave you missed a chance at having an undefeated season, man. Like nobody gets to do that stuff. That's the part that kills me about it all. It's like, you know, like I said in the beginning, I was really like, nah, screw them. I'm not playing. But then when you think about, man, we we could have finished undefeated and we could have went out and beat Georgia, who was the number one team all year, and really showed the country 
We were the best. It was a it was a missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Completely, completely. And let's spin it forward, right? You have twenty nine scholarship players not playing, right? Whether they're they're exploring the transfer portal and opting out of the game to protect themselves for the NFL draft. If I'm an NFL organization, that's giving me pause. Yeah, I think so. A little bit, a little bit. It's hard to say now with the whole NILs and the, you know everybody's kind of looking out for themselves. So it's it's kind of hard to figure out if if that really please if if anybody has that kind of um, if anybody has that kind of loyalty anymore to a team, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can play for one team one year and then you're on to the transfer portal and I'm just going to put on a different color next year. Completely. It, it's look look at the organization that Deion Sanders was able to build through the draft, uh, through the uh, the draft and the free agency, right? Through the transfer portal, which is essentially college free agency. You know, the thing about the transfer portal is my 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 mind's gone back and forth about it a lot, and I you know I don't I don't have a problem with it, but I what I do think is I think I think the timeline for the transfer portal needs to be pushed back. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think. Right after the season ends, players should be able to enter the transfer portal. I think it should take time. I think it should be a month or two weeks because, you know, right after the season's over, you've, you're you're a young college student. You've got all these things going through your head, right? It's like, man, I don't really want to take this final. I'll just transfer out of here. My grades don't really matter. You know, like there's so many other things going on where if you just take a step back for a minute and just kind of think about, okay, Maybe I will come back here because, you know, I, I, I don't want to move and I really like the school. I mean, how many players do you think have entered the transfer portal and not immediately regretted it, but like, oh, shit, <laughs> like I got to go to Iowa, like, you know, or damn it, I got to go to, I got to go to Idaho, you know, like, you know, I wonder how many kids like after they enter the transfer portal make their decision like, man, I shouldn't have made, I, should, I decided this too quickly. Can I get out of this? Can I change? Like, I wonder. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of them. The same way that kids commit and decommit as quickly as as you see them, right? We had a player decommit from the Gators, and they were going elsewhere. So it happens. Now, I think it's something as far as NILs and Transfer Portal that you need to put a cap on the number of players you can put in through the transfer portal because there's no reason and I don't mean to be harping on Deion Sanders because you know I thought he did a good job at Colorado all things considered they went from 1-11 and 11 to where they are so there's growth but you bring in 87 guys you, you better fucking do something mm-hmm. and they didn't so, do well they, I mean, yeah. they started off hot but they faded compared to 1-11 and 11, right there's growth but when you bring in a whole new organization, yeah, that's going to happen. So I think there has to be a – you can't bring in 80-something guys. Like right. that, that's absolutely absurd. So that's definitely something for the NCAA, the toothless NCAA. To, <laughs> they are. They're toothless. Look at what has happened in recent years. NIL – and the transfer portal have basically took the sting out of everything, right? Because it's all yeah. on the open now. Like, good luck giving an organization the death penalty. You might as well take that off the freaking. You might as well take that off the table, right? SMU, yeah. SMU would have been legal, right? Eric Dickerson and Craig James and all that pony excess. It would have been legal now. So, 
you know, I think that the NCAA needs to kind of remember who the hell they are and kind of get back to setting the setting the rules and enforcing the rules rather than letting the money talk. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. Speaking of letting money talk. Money talk and bullshit was walking with Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper. He's in more hot water this week after a temper tantrum as he appeared to throw a beverage at a Jaguars fan while sitting in the visiting owner's box on Sunday in Jacksonville. Obviously frustrated by the way his team was playing, Tepper threw a drink at fans and then left the box. The NFL has fined the billionaire $300,000 and Tepper has since apologized. Did the NFL do enough? And does the NFL need to take a closer look at this guy? I think we need to take a little bit closer look at the statement he released. It wasn't much of an apology as it was him trying to defend his actions. I mean, Z, here's the deal. It's like, let's say a player threw a drink on a person in the stands. What would happen to that player? What if a person in the stands threw a drink at a player? What would happen? They'd be banned. They'd be thrown out of the stadium. Possibly arrested. Possibly arrested. Listen, yeah. the NFL would argue that it's the highest penalty levied on a team owner. I believe Bud Adams was fined 250 k some years ago. But David Tepper is worth over $20 billion. A 300 k fine to him is the equivalent to us being fined $1.77. He's a billionaire, sore loser, owner who needs to be sent to his room. He needs to be put in timeout. He needs to be put in timeout. You can't hurt him in the pockets. You hurt him by taking his privileges away. David, that was a really bad thing that you did. Now go to your room. You know, that's the kind of thing you have to have. Now, Roger Goodell would defend himself and say, I work for all the owners. This is, you know, what we collectively bargained upon. I'm going, you know, in order of what we've done in the past. Now, that's true, but everyone in this club needs to be held to a higher standard. David, you're suspended the rest of this season and for six games next season. Or how about this? David, you're not allowed to travel with your team next year. Because you did this at a fucking visiting visiting field, which is even worse, right? You didn't even do this in your home stadium. You did this on the road in a visiting owner's box. You know, this is such a privileged image too, right? An owner sitting in his box, chucking a drink at the peasant below. Like, come on. Throwing a drink on someone is the most insulting thing a person can do, right? He's, yep. he's lucky. spitting on them. Right. He's lucky the fans didn't climb up into that box and slap the shit out of him. Because that's what I would have did if he threw a drink at me. I'll figure out how to get up there. Mm-hmm. Try throwing a drink at someone in a hallway. Try throwing a drink at someone in an elevator and see what the result of that would be, David, because you're going to get slapped in the face. And he didn't issue an apology either. He said, I regretted his act. He said, I regret the actions I've taken, but I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm so 
in love with this team. He like blamed the team for his actions. And so um, I have the quote here. I am deeply yeah. passionate about this team and regret yeah. my behavior on Sunday. I should have let NFL Stadium security handle any issues that arose. I respect the NFL's code of conduct and accept the league's, the league's discipline for my behavior. What a crock of shit. Then he's throwing it on the security. Oh, I should have put it in the security's hand. Security stands for what? The, the fucking visiting team was talking shit? <laughs> the visiting fans were talking shit to you. What do you want the security guard to do? Smack them over the head and drag them out of the stadium? No, That's part of that. football. Part of football is talking shit in the crowd, in the stands. That's part of the game, getting drunk and having a good time. You couldn't take it? Your team sucks. It's not like you missed the playoffs over this, David. The team's been eliminated. And you've gutted the team. You, you took away their heart in Caffrey. You sold their soul in DJ Moore. And you're upset because they're getting blown out against Jacksonville Jaguars and their backup quarterback? Like, did you go into that stadium thinking you were going to win the game, dude? Like, how, what? Let me, let me ask you. What, at what point do you think you become this arrogant, Z? Is it when you make $100 million, $200 million? At what point do you think you could just throw a drink on somebody and have no repercussions for it? At what... I would at what dollar figure are you making where you're like, oh, the rules of right and wrong don't apply to me anymore? Because that's basically what he did there. And you and I wonder what the vibe is in the in the Carolina Panthers office today. I wonder if it's like they're all yes men. They're like, man, that was wrong. I mean, what were you supposed to do, David? You were just supposed to listen to them talk all that shit to you. You had to throw their drink, your drink at them. That's what you had to do. Oh, this is such trash. Three hundred thousand dollar fine. That's not warranted. That, that's not. Is that was that what you think they're boasting around in the Carolina Panthers building this week? Is that you think that's what they're saying? Or are they looking around and be like, what are we doing here? <laughs> well, the first billion is the hardest. Yeah. So you know, it makes you wonder for sure. Like, where do you? It's absolutely ridiculous. Like the the amount of entitlement and the spoiled brat nature of it all yeah. is he makes Jimmy Haslam look stable. And Jimmy Haslam is not exactly the the token of stability in the NFL, right? When we talk about rash decision making, you handpicked Frank Reich to be the head coach, right? Supposedly you intervened with the taking of C.J. Stroud as opposed to Bryce Young, right? You stepped in and said, no, I want Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud, who's about to become the offensive rookie of the year. He was an MVP candidate. He 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 hurt himself. Until he got a concussion. Yeah. So C.J. Stroud was in the discussion for MVP. But no, 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 no. I want Bryce Young. I tr- you traded you traded for the number one pick you traded away DJ Moore for it you traded away Christian McCaffrey this is wholly on you it's time for David Tepper to look in the mirror and say I fucked this up but the guys like him don't do that right in the world of PFTS in the world of people for that shit that's what coaches are for that's what GMs are for they're here to insulate me so I can fire them and they can be fall guys 
so that I never have to take accountability for my stupid and rash decisions. Much like George Steinbrenner, right? George Steinbrenner. How many times did he fire Billy Martin? <laughs> right? Who's buried many, in my town? There you go. I'm, I'm sure that uh, George is waiting on him to, to fire him again. So, how many times did a GM or a hitting coach or a player catch this wrath? because of George Steinbrenner, right? And his own shortcomings. And what did Major League Baseball finally do after the whole Howie Spiro thing with Dave Winfield? Finally, they said enough is enough and you cannot run your team anymore. Go away. You can keep signing the checks, but you cannot conduct day-to-day business. And... Eventually, we'll get to the point with David Tepper, if he continues down this path, that the NFL will have no choice but to say, you cannot continue to run your day-to-day business. Because not only do you suck at it, <laughs> 2 and 14, you are, what, you are what your record says you are. Like you said it, if the team sucks, you ran it into the ground. That's yeah, all you're I mean, in five years, he's really just been terrible. You ran this team into the ground. This this team, less than 10 years ago, was in the Super Bowl. Was it 20? I want to say 2015? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Can't, against, yeah. Can't they only had like one loss that year, too. Yeah. They were 15. MVP. Yeah. Greg Olson. Yeah. McCaffrey. Yeah. Like that, that, the halcyon days of the Carolina Panthers weren't that long ago. And to see the precipitous drop in this organization since then, since really Jerry Richardson died. Since, since the previous owner. Like, he was thoroughly invested. He brought this team from nowhere. He, he was the expansion owner. So, that's kind of a big deal. To see that level of passion for this project being bastardized by this hedge fund bro this hedge fund billionaire based out of Miami Beach, right? It's absolutely shameful. But money wants. Money money talks. And they're going to keep getting shot after shot after shot after shot. Right? Just like Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke can just turn around and move the team out of St. Louis to LA on a whim. Just cut. Yeah. He wins though. That guy actually wins. He knows yeah. he, that guy actually knows what he's doing. But he does know how to fuck people over too. Yeah, he fucked over an entire city. An entire city. He fucked over St. Louis. So <laughs> that guy can yeah, that guy can never go back to St. Louis ever again. That guy. So if the NFL ever does go back into St. Louis, guaranteed that he'll be staying home when the Rams go visit. But you know, they definitely need to figure it out in terms of what's going on here. It can't just be about the money and the influx of cash that's coming in because, you know, it's got to be about the type of guy that is coming into the league too. They worried about Mark Cuban, right? Years ago when he wanted to get into the league, but I don't know, he's outspoken. I don't know about Mark Cuban, but they let Dan Snyder in. (laughs) Right? 
they let this asshole win. They let Jimmy Haslam in. He's been quiet. He has been in recent years because the Browns are good. The Browns are finally good because he took a step back and he let people actually do the job. Remember when he had Paul DePodesta running the team? Yeah. Why? It's baseball. Like, what does a, a baseball GM know about football? Like, please tell me that. They're two different sports. Harvard, so. Yale, Maryland. Mm-hmm. You're funny, Pete. Last place, last place, last place. <laughs> so good for you. But, you know, it's definitely like the NFL needs to vet their guys. It can't just be how big is your check. That's that's not how these things work. Do you love brownies? Of course you love brownies. But you know what's better than a brownie? A delicious, handcrafted, gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep. That's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer. Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave. From the classic OB to Dutch Apple to Campfire S'mores and many more. Check out their website, sweetlifebrownieco.com, for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too, at sweetlifebrownie underscore co, for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's sweetlifebrownieco.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043, and tell them D&Z sent you. That's sweetlifebrownieco.com, 845-641-3043. Sweet Life Brownie Co., because there's always room for a brownie. Speaking of how big is your check, and that's not how these things work. <laughs> Don't look now, but the Phoenix Suns are in trouble, man. They're in the eighth spot in the West. Bradley Beal is hurt. There's my shock face. And there are rumbles and grumbles that our buddy Kev isn't happy. You know, maybe it's his burner accounts, but he's not too happy in Valley of the Sun. (laughs) So, Ken Durant force his way out of Phoenix yet again? Or does he need to be a big boy, put his pants on, and make this work? I just think he needs to make this work. I think, you know, I've already got a different view of him because of what he's done in his career, winning the championship with the Warriors, and then you know, going to Brooklyn, then forcing his way to Phoenix. I mean, if he go, if he leaves now, I just, I just, I just think it really damages his legacy, and he's gonna say he doesn't care. I truly he's don't experiences, think. Experiences, bro. I don't think he cares. I think I do. Uh, Bill Simmons would disagree with me. Bill Simmons seems to think that he does care, but I don't think he cares. I really do think he's he's on a different level. But the problem is, is like the game is the game is evolving, and the game is gonna pass is just gonna pass him by. I mean, he can't be happy with the way things are going. He's being asked to be a rim protector, a scorer, play defense, bring up the ball. Essentially, everything he was asked to do in Brooklyn, he's being asked to do in Phoenix. I think the Suns got rid of too many players to get him. I don't think he anticipated that the Suns were going to have to gut the team the way they did. They don't have enough to be OKC. 
They don't have enough to beat the Sacramento Kings. They don't have enough to beat the Lakers in the seven-game series. This is the truth. And despite Durant being an incredible talent, I don't think there's anywhere for him to go. Like, 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 what's it? What's a team that could afford him? Like, New Orleans could afford him. He ain't going to New Orleans. Uh, the Knicks could afford him. Knicks ain't gonna give up players to get him because no. they're happy with what they have right now. Um, I just, I don't. He, he and he's, you know, he's he's not he's not gonna take he's not gonna go to a, a terrible team. He's not gonna go to Cleveland. The only place that kind of makes sense for him to go uh, is Golden State, right? It makes mm, sense. To go interesting. Back there. It would make sense for him to go back there, but. I find it hard to believe that this new owner is going to give up his biggest asset within the and, and send him somewhere within the conference. No uh, way. That so here's the team that I thought of. I'm, I'm surprised you thought Western Conference, yeah. Miami. But that's another team that I think they're happy with what they got. Like I don't think they really want him. I don't think so. I really don't. I don't. I think they're happy with what they got going on. They got Jimmy Butler. They have Kyle Lowry. They have Bam. Like, they're not going to give up their top young players for Kevin Durant who could flake out of them. I mean, that's the relationship that, That's the relationship with the game that he's having right now. You know, that's his reputation. He's yeah. starting, he's sullying it, right? He went yeah. from a mercenary. Yeah, he was a merc. To a, sure. He was a merc and now he's a flake. Yeah. And he's a petulant child. Much like in the way James Harden is and Kyrie Irving is. It's just not it's just not working. Like they're just they're just not gelling. Like it's just if you watch their games, it's it's awful basketball. Like it's awful to watch. And the other thing is, Z, I hate to say this, but he's being asked to do so much in Phoenix, he's gonna get hurt. He's gonna get hurt. Because he's just being asked to do too much day in and day out, day day in and day out against the some of the best teams in the league. And it's exhausting. I mean, he's he's seven foot. He doesn't have a lot of muscle or weight to him. No, those those legs are really scrawny. Like Dirk man. had Dirk was a was a was a soldier. Like you know, he's a big guy, but he was a big guy. Like Durant's that's not what Durant is. I thought maybe Dallas too, but I, I still I think Dallas likes what they have going on. Like a lot of these teams just like what they going they have going on. They're like. Why am I going to bring this guy in when he could leave? <laughs> he could just get so, sour on this and be out. Yeah, Dirk was big, but he get, he had guys on his team that were bigger. Yeah, right. The problem Dirk. is oh, yeah. like, yeah, like he's got on, on Ty Chandler. Team, oh, Tyson Chandler, such a beast. Sean Marion, Jason, yep. Jason Kidd was a big. You know, people don't realize he's get six six man. He's a big point guard, tall dude. You have as a BK. On Phoenix, yeah. okay. You have Bull Bull. <laughs> you have Drew Eubanks. Those, and you have uh, Chemezi Metu and and Nurkic. Those yeah, are the only guys that are kind of in Kevin Durant's height range, but none of them are in his talent range, and that's a problem. Kevin Durant is also the oldest guy on the team. Yeah, he and he and Eric Gordon. Who's bitching about playing time? So, it's something to be said about this roster. They went all in, but in doing so, you're absolutely right. 
they sacrificed so much. They made a Faustian bargain. And sending DeAndre Ayton is proving to be a bad move. Because what did DeAndre Ayton do? Protected the rim. Right. He was there. Like he he allowed Kevin Durant to be Victor Wembanyama. Right? They, he, they allowed him to be the big who can shoot. And doing that, like getting rid of him, it made this team very thin. And then replacing a guy like Chris Paul, say what you will about him, yeah. but you replace him with Bradley Beal, it doesn't work. Because as much as Chris Paul gets hurt, Bradley Beal gets hurt more. <laughs> so we, we brought a guy in who's more brutal. <laughs> Good job. But I ha- I would have to imagine that they ran the Bradley Beal thing by him, right? Like, they must have said, hey, we're going to go get Bradley Beal. How do you feel about that? I find it hard to believe that they went to get Bradley Beal and they, were like, they didn't ask if Kevin thought that was a good idea or if he was interested in that. You tell me I'm getting Bradley Beal. My first response is, why? Why? What has he done for me lately? What has he done recently? Like... Come know. on now. Bradley yeah. Beal hasn't been relevant in years. Now, Kevin Durant has no choice. But the Phoenix Suns also have no choice. There, there are no resources here. What are you going to do? Trade Devin Booker? Like, what is moving out so you can get reinforcements? Are you waiting just for veteran buyouts? Like, are you just waiting for guys to get, like, cut? That's all you... That, that's the only hope you had. Because... You are, your situation is such that you done fucked yourself over. <laughs> That's it. And this is all you're doing. This is all Matt Ishby is doing. This is all Kevin Durant's doing. And this is the downfall of the Phoenix Suns because they just, they went star hunting again. And anytime you go star hunting, you're going to get bitten in the ass to some degree because you got to make a deal with the devil. And right now the devil's calling in his marker on the sun. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air care technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. More or less. All right, boys and girls, we have a statement, and it's either more likely or less likely that it's going to happen. More or less, number one, a little analogy. Chris Sale will be to the Braves 
as Justin Verlander was to the Houston Astros. Yes, yes, more likely. I love this trade. I wanted them to sign Snell, but I am glad they got sale. I'll take it. Give me six innings. Keep the visiting team under four runs. I'm good with that. You don't need to strike out everyone unless you're playing the Phillies. Yes, more likely. Here we go. Let's see. Uh-huh. Which Chris Sale is going to show up? Is he going to be the guy from 2017 who had 308 strikeouts and pitched 214 innings? Is he going to be the guy who punches a wall and breaks his hand? <laughs> is he going to be the guy who only throws 42 in a third innings? Is he going to be the guy who got his nipple rings infected and was out on, on the IL with a nipple ring infection? Last year, he pitched with 3-8 ERA. At this point, he's a professional beating taker. He's, an, he's the Andrew Dalton of the roster. Now, the, the Braves do have a track record of turning guys around. So we'll see. You have a guy like Charlie Morton. Maybe he can kind of be that guy. I think trading Vaughn Grissom for him was too much. But this is a little bit of the salary dump from the Red Sox, too. So they had to do what they had to do. I think it's less likely. I, I think it's an overpay for a guy who's on the tail end of his career. And I think it's more Justin Verlander from the Mets than <laughs> Justin Verlander from the Astros. Well, he so, went, he did go to he did eventually get to the Astros that season and pitched well for them. He made it back to the Astros, and who's to say the Red Sox don't reacquire Chris Sale at the trade deadline if they're in the hunt and he's kind of like middling along. So who's to say there isn't a, a similar arc? But I think it was too much of an overpay. Vaughn Grissom is going to be a stud in this league. Like that that was a big, big acquisition for the Boston Red Sox. But it all boils down to health for Chris Sale. He hasn't been very healthy for a, a long time. Consistency, there is none of late. When he was in his uh, in his heyday, when he was in his prime, dude can shove completely. I think that, however, that is a long, long time ago. Like twenty sixteen was a banner year for him in terms of innings pitched, 226 innings. He barely made it over 100 last year. So he's not the ace, right? At 35, 36 years old, you're lucky. If he gets to 90 innings next year, I think he's going to be lucky. So I'm saying less likely on this one. More or less number two. Frankie Montas will deliver for the Reds like Sonny Gray did just a few years ago. Yeah, man. I'm more I'm going most likely on this. I'm the optimist today, man. Clearly. It's a hell listen, if, if is he healthy? If he's healthy, 
this guy is going to succeed in a small market. New York was too big of a stage for him. This make this move makes sense. I think he'll have a similar to the same success that Sonny Gray did. You know what scares me about this is that it is exactly the same career path, right? Except for that little stay in Minnesota for Sonny Gray. I am going less likely on this just because he's going to this is going to take him to Great American Ballpark. And Great American Ballpark is very very small. It's extremely small. In Oakland, he gave up 20. His high water mark was 2021. He gave up 20 home runs. Then in 2022, they dealt into the Yankees. Turns out he's pitching hurt. <laughs> But even so, in a very short sample size size in the Bronx, he gave up six homers in 39 and two thirds innings. Great American Ballpark is just as small as Yankee Stadium, and in the summer, it's a launching pad. So. I am not as bullish on Frankie Montas as you are. Perhaps perhaps they can figure it out with him. I mean, he's plenty fresh. He threw one and a third inning last year. 1 and 0. One and a third innings pitched. So career 37-35 with a 3.90 ERA. I'm not exactly I'm not exactly high on him either. Will he have a bounce back year? Yes. But not as the career resurgence that Sonny Gray had. That parlayed him into a really good run with the Twins and then parlayed him into that contract with the Cardinals. But I just don't see it for Mr. Montas. More or less likely, number three, we are witnessing the most talented era of NBA basketball. Yeah, I'm going to say more likely. Like, you know, if you look at the league right now, you got teams like the Thunder, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Rockets, the Pelicans, the T-Bulls are all relevant. Five years ago, the Golden State Warriors were one of the most efficient offenses, scoring 118 points per 100 possessions. Now there are more than five teams that fall into that category. I think that's super impressive, man. I think there's stars all over the league. The Boston-Oklahoma City game last night was fire. Um, there's not a lot of bad. You know, the Pistons are bad. <laughs> yeah, they finally won. They finally won. Pistons are bad. The Spurs are bad, but they have a star. Like they have a guy that's gonna learn the ropes. But you know, New Orleans Pelicans are good. Like there's a lot. They're, they're this. I feel like the stars in the league right now are evenly sprinkled all throughout the league, and that's what you want. You want to have you know competitive basketball every night. Well, are, what are we talking about, really? What are we talking about? When we talking about most talented. Are we talking about? the quality of player 
or are we talking about what you're talking about, which to me sounds like parody? Right? Are there, you know, there are no super teams, and the super teams that were put together are not doing great. Yeah, yeah, I think what, I just, what are we talking about? just I think there's I think there's a lot of talent spread out all over the league. And I think there's different generations of talent, right? You've got the Tatum, uh, you got the Tatum like era players. You've got nobody's really left from the Kobe era. Um, you've got the the new up and comers, right? With Ja and Williamson. Um, you've got the new class of players that you got Shy Shy Gilders Alexander, Chet Holmgren, Wemby. Like there's like five generations of talent in the league right now, and I can't remember a time when when that really existed. You know, I mean, going back seventy years to now, you've got five different generations out. Okay, yeah, you could say that KD and LeBron are kind of the old older guys left mm-hmm. from the kind of Kobe era, so to speak, and they've still got talent, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm thinking the last time I believe was this talented was probably 1993-1994 when Jordan was wrapping up his last ring because at that time you had Shaq Shaq just came into the league, mm-hmm. the Anthony Hardaway, all those guys, Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, like. That was the last time I think there was that much talent in the league. So you're looking from the time period of 1990 to 2000, I think is probably going to blow this era away in terms of talent because you still had Magic, you still had Larry Bird, you still had the Bad Boy Pistons, you still had Michael Jordan. Yeah, but they were all alone. But they, but but in with that, the Bad Boy Pistons were wrapping up. 90 was their last championship. And then they broke up the team. Isaiah got hurt. And it was a wrap. Larry Bird was on the decline with his back. Magic was on his way out of the league because of the AIDS test. So, not really, dude. Like, no. That, those guys were... That was the old... That was, that was the changing of the guard. The changing of the guard was about to happen with Jordan. Jordan changed the guard because he won in 91, 92, 93. Then he took a year off, came back, and won 96, 97, 98. But you also had, in that time frame, in terms of pure star power, they're still there. Plus, you have Patrick Ewing. Plus, you have the Rockets with Hakeem Lajuan, Charles Barkley. You have Reggie Miller. You And then just go down the list. Like, you still have that plenty talented. And then... You start getting guys like Allen Iverson, Vince Carter. But they Tim were like Duncan. 96, 97, 98, right? That's what I'm talking about. So from the year 1990 to the year 2000, you had name recognition and you had gravitas in that league. You had David Robinson there. You had, you know, like I said, you had T-Mac. You had a young Kobe. You had Shaq and Penny. Carl Malone, Stockton, Sean Kemp, Gary Payton. You go down the line, man. Like, those are, like, legends. And these kids, and they're, they are kids. A lot of these guys are very young, right? You look at a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, Paolo Bancaro. What are they going to become? Oh, we're not there yet. They're very good right now. Like, Grant Hill, 
Perfect example. When Grant Hill signed with Orlando, it was supposed to be a wrap, right? He was supposed to bring a title to, to Orlando. That. Yeah. That was supposed then, to be really awesome. Yeah. And then it, it turned out to be nothing. But Grant Hill was on that list too, man. So, you know, as talented as these kids are, their future's not written yet. Not to go full Doc Brown on you, but, you know, it's it's kind of important to, to note that until it's until it's done, like, it can turn for the worst. Grant Hill is a perfect example of that. But in terms of name recognition, I mean, super talented, but we'll see what they become down the road. For me, give me the 1990 through 2000 for pure star power and for excellent play. Your favorite podcast has its own merch line now. Go to the Fade Store with DNZ.com today for all your Fade Route merch needs. I'm talking tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, like yoga pants, we got those too. Like some cool accessories, we got those too. And we're not done yet. We have so much more planned for you, but check out what we have today at the Fade Store with DNZ.com. That's the Fade Store with DNZ.com. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It's time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. You know how it goes. We put up a poll on our X account at Fade Route DNZ, and you vote, and you vote, and you vote, and you vote. And the winner of said vote gets a shout out on this here show and takes home the coveted ass trophy. And do you know who took home the coveted ass trophy for the entire year of 2023? Ooh, no, I don't. That would be V A R. Replay took home the ass trophy for the entire year. And it's very fitting because. Replay has been ass for most of the year. <laughs> it's an ass It's year. <laughs> it's been ass. That's great. But that was last year. <laughs> this is this year. Let's start off on the right foot. Who is your alleged superstar of the week? D, who are your nominees? First up, I've got David Tepper. Owner of the Carolina Panthers throwing your drink at a Jaguars fan because every move you have made with the Carolina franchise has been awful. Traded McCaffrey, traded DJ Moore, hired and fired Matt Rule, fired Ron Rivera, fired Frank Wright, drafted Bryce Young. Must feel mighty powerful throwing your drink from the the owner's box to the peasants below. Try that shit in the hallway, Tepper. See what happens. David Tepper, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Number two, I've got the NFL for only finding a billionaire 300k, $300,000 for throwing a drink on a fan. That's the best you could do. Let that be a player, a coach, or a fan. And they get the, the they get the, the, the world thrown at them. And last but not least. 
Joe Douglas and the New York Jets signing Dalvin Cook in the summer and cutting him the last week of the season, wasting money, his time, (laughs) your time, fans' time, everyone's time. I'm so glad this season's over. Joe Douglas, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What do you got, Z? All great choices, but I'm going to piggyback off of yours, and I'm going to start with Dalvin Cook. Bro, you knew what you were getting into when you signed on with the Jets. You you knew that Brees Hall was the lead dog. (laughs) You knew. You knew this. (laughs) So I don't want, I don't feel sorry for you that you only got a certain number of catches, touches rather. I I don't feel sorry for you that you haven't reached the end zone as much as you would have liked. This is the situation. If you wanted to be a lead back, you should have gone to a place where they needed a lead back. Instead, you went to chase a ring right because you got enamored by mr rogers you wanted to be in mr rogers's neighborhood (laughs) and guess what happened four plays in his his leg blew up your plant so i don't feel bad for you whatsoever now weeks ago you could have requested your release so you could have latched on with a team and you could have you know, played your way into the rotation and played your way legitimately into the playoffs. Now, you ask for your release now in hopes that somebody is going to come calling. Who's going to come come calling? The Cowboys? Who's going to come calling? What, what playoff team needs a running back? You're going to go play in Buffalo with your brother? Oh, are you going to be overshadowed by your baby brother? Is that what's going to happen? Poetic justice would be if nobody signs him. <laughs> that would be mean. poetic fucking justice. You're so mean. I, you know what? I'm sick of this shit, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of it. Get him, Z. Like, get him. No. Like, dude, if you want to play, then you should have signed on to be the lead dog. And guess who could use you? The Minnesota fucking Vikings. The team that cut you. They could still use you funny how that goes I am done talking about Dalvin Cook like he can go be irrelevant for the rest of his career because you know what he was irrelevant this year at least Le'Veon Bell when he was irrelevant wasn't cashing a check he walked away you stole money this year Dalvin Dalvin Cook you are my alleged superstar of the week University of Alabama. Why are you deferred? You go, you you punch Michigan in the mouth, and you dare them to beat you. That's what you should have done. Instead, we're going to put our defense out there, and then all we have to do is kick a field goal. Well, how'd that work out for you? University of Alabama. You're watching from the crib, just like the rest of us. You are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, the Lions and the Cowboys, specifically for the last two minutes. That was putrid. The Cowboys played no defense whatsoever. And then, once the Lions score, okay, you go for two, you go for the win. Right? An honorable mention here goes to the referee, Brad Allen. Right? 
supports eligible? Is it Decker? Is it Skipper? Is it Decker and Skipper? Is it Barbie and Skipper? I don't know. Did he miss the call? Did he not miss the call? Did he did he ignore Taylor Decker? Fuck me, I don't know. I wasn't there. But you you got a guy coming what? over to you. What was you the ref's name? Brad Allen. Brad Allen. You know the Lions are 0-6 when Brad Allen officiates their games. Did you know that? I did not know that. But you know what? This sounds a lot like Scott Foster and Chris Paul at this point. <laughs> it's, it sounds a little more than anecdotal. It sounds a little more than coincidental. <laughs> so, okay. First play, wiped out due to an ineligible receiver who, by all accounts, purported as eligible. Maybe he did it in a passive-aggressive fashion so as not to tip off the Cowboys. But guess what? The referee has to tell the Cowboys who's reporting as eligible anyway. So it's not like you have to be clandestine. The very next play, Dan Campbell goes for it again. Bro, what the fuck are you thinking? Kick the field goal. You go. You keep saying field goal. Kick the extra point. You go into overtime. And then the chips fall where they met. But no... Danny Big Balls decides to go for it again. Jared Goff throws a pick. But wait, it gets better. Micah Parsons was offside. So Dan Campbell gets a third bite at the apple. And what does he do? He goes for it again. Kick the extra fucking point. Kick it, kick it, kick it, kick it. Go to overtime. Take your chances. Instead, instead, you throw a weak-ass screen pass, and it's dropped. Lions lose. Lions lose. Cowboys don't win. Lions lose. Because you put your dick on the table, and you decide to coach with your ego. Rather than coach with your brain. Coach with your brain next time. Because next time's the playoffs. There is no next week. Coach with your fucking brain. Lions, Cowboys, and referee Brad Allen. You're all my alleged superstar of the week. I think we said our piece. Go to our X account at FadeRouteDMZ and vote, and vote, and vote, and vote, and for our nominees. Just do better, boys. Just do better. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in. Catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. So until next time, stay faded, everyone. Time for us to run the go route. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.